Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come before you. We thank you that we've had time to worship you in song. And Lord, as we open up the word that you would guide and lead as we look at this ex story about obedience and, and the consequences for disobedience. And we just thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 1. We're going to read through 15. I don't know if we're going to cover that whole section. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth, and why is your countenance following? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lays at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he says, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her, unto you her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be on the earth. And Cain said unto him, unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from, the fa from your face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that finds me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto them, Therefore, what's said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So we're going to look at this, uh, this story that a lot of people kind of glance over and don't think about very deeply. Uh, we're shown two of the sons of Adam and Eve, and I just want to bring this up. Later on, we're going to hear that we only get three of their children named, but they, it says that they have sons and daughters. Lots and lots of sons and daughters, as a matter of fact. Um, and we look at this, and she names, they name their first child Cain, and Eve's answer is, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Most people look at this and believe that she had thought that the bearer of the sins was going to, was already been born. They didn't expect it to be 4,000 years later that the Messiah would be born. She's, they're expecting, oh, I've got it. We've got, the, we've got this child and the one who's going to bruise the serpent's head and he's going to have his heel hurt. So, and then they had Abel, and it says they both had jobs. Now, this is critical. The Bible is always talking about people having jobs. <laughs> That was what Adam and Eve were given when they first were created. They had a job, and we've talked about this. How hard was it to tend a perfect garden? It's probably the easiest job anybody has ever had in their lifetime to tend a perfect garden. Uh, but now we look at Cain and Abel. Cain is a farmer, just as his father was. And Abel is going to keep the sheep. And we see them having very distinct jobs. And these jobs are part of what they do as they get in here. And then it says, in the process of time, it came to pass 
And I want to look at this process of time. This word is kind of critical for us to consider. Have you ever noticed that word, that phrase in this, in this story? In the process of time, the two brothers are going to come and give an offering. Well, I'm going to tell you that the process of time is probably well over 100 years. Because the one that's going to be replacing Abel is Seth. And Seth is born when, Abraham, when Adam is 130 years old. So this is probably well over 130 or 100 years. And so we, this is critical when we get to the end of the story and people go, where did Cain get his wife? And I'm going to tell you that Cain got his wife. He married a sister. <laughs> there was nobody else to marry. <laughs> okay. Abel married a sister. There's just nobody else to marry in this process. But have you ever thought about how many people were around at this point in time? I did some very simple calculations, and I figured that they only had a child every other year, which is probably too generous <laughs> for this particular time frame. And that they started having kids at 20 years old, maybe young, maybe not. Um, by 130 years, there would have been six generations of people on the earth with those, those time frames. And there would be, where's my number on this? I want to get this. There would be a mere 2,716 people on the earth. Have you ever thought about, most people don't think about how many people were in there in this story. There's a large population, and I think it's probably double that because I don't think they did every other year. I think they were being more obedient to God and be fruitful and multiply on that process. So there was probably closer to 5,000 people on the earth at the time Seth is born. Okay, so just I bring this out to you because these are things most people don't think about. They just read the story. Oh, these two boys come and they, they give these offerings and Cain kills his brother. And where is he getting this wife and who is he afraid of? Well, he's afraid of there's a lot of people on the, on the earth. And Abel's probably got children. And well, they will probably want to avenge his death at this point. So we see all of these factors in here that I wanted to just bring out. The time frame of in the process, in the process of time. That there is a time frame there that we don't think about. And I don't believe that I've ever taught it when I taught kids the Sunday school lesson. You know, here we have Cain and Abel, and in my back of my mind, I was always thinking somebody in their 20s or 30s myself, you know, so, but I just want to bring out, Seth is going to replace Abel, and I don't think they made him, I don't think God made her wait hundreds of, a hundred years to replace, replace Abel, and we see just a few of their children being named, and we're going to see this all through the rest of the book, God just gives us the names of those we need to know. And that is the godly line in most cases. They're going to trace Cain's descendants for a few generations. When we get to Esau, his generation will be uh, followed for a couple generations. Ishmael's generations will be covered for... But God keeps focused on this is the godly line. This is the line that I'm choosing. This is the one the Messiah is coming from. And so we see this uh, process. And they bring their offering... And we don't know what kind of offering this is, but the fact that Cain's is rejected tends to lead most scholars to believe that it is a trespass offering, a sin offering. Because for that offering, there must be blood given. And it, the word itself is just offering. It's generic. If you've been following us in any of the other classes in, in Leviticus, we talked about the six major offerings that there are in the scriptures. 
And for us Gentiles, we always think about one. <laughs> you put the lamb or the, the animal on the altar and kill it and, and burn it. And there's other offerings that, involved, that are involved. And so we believe that this one is a sin offering. And that is why Cain's is rejected. He brings his own labor. You know, we think about that. What he brings to God is the sweat of his brow from the cursed earth. So he's going, God, I want you to accept my offering. God, I want you to accept my offering. It's my works from the cursed ground. Accept it. How many times do we try to do the same thing to God? God, look how hard I worked for you. Very something that we need to be very careful of. His offering has to be the way he wants it offered. Over and over through the scriptures, he says, I want you to do it my way. In the Deuteronomy class, we've been talking about how it, they, Moses is warning them, when you go into the promised land, you're going to find altars and groves and places of worship all over the place. Destroy all of those places. And you're going to worship me in the place that I put the tabernacle and later on the temple. But God's command was, you're going to worship me the way I want you to worship me, where I tell you to worship me, not wherever you feel like it. And this is something that we need to be very careful of. Are we worshiping God the way he says to worship him? Or are we trying to present, God, here's my good works. You should really be happy that I'm your servant, God, because look at all the things I could do for you. And this is what Cain is saying. He's bringing his, his works, his sweat, his way of doing things. Now, how do we know that they were told to offer a blood sacrifice? Well, we talked about that a few weeks back. God killed the lamb or the goat or whatever animal he killed to provide them their clothing. And I'm sure there's much more than we're told there. He was saying it takes blood to be forgiven or cover your sins. And this innocent animal now will be sacrificed whenever you're going to offer for your sacrifice. Now that's presumption, but I'm pretty sure it's true because all the world... <laughs> All the world's religions in the past have had sacrifices, and some to this day still want sacrifices, and the Jews want to get back to the blood sacrifices. God is the one that instituted it because of the shedding of blood covers sin. It says in the, in the Old Testament, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And God is very clear on that. Now, the blood he's really talking about is his son's blood. His son had to die for our sins. Without his death, there would be no forgiveness from sin. And this is where we're seeing this full picture starting way back at the very beginning. And most people believe it's a sin offering because it uses the word Yahweh in the one who's being offered to, which is God's most holy name. And when, you use a, when it's not a sin offering, oftentimes they will use Adonai or Elohim instead of Yahweh. And I know that goes far beyond anything you probably want to know, but... Yahweh is his name. It means I am what that I am. That's what he told Moses his name was. And all the other names talk about his characteristics. But they come to this. Cain bringing his, his works. Abel doing it God's way. And God, and God accepted Abel's sacrifice. And rejected. The Lord literally means that he wouldn't even look at Cain's offering. 
That's how much rejected it was. It was not even something he was going to glance at or look at. The one thing, and then we see God talking to, Abraham, uh, to Cain. Now, one thing I want to bring out is, very obviously, God is still talking to people at this point in time. You know, we've kind of kind of lost that idea that God is talking to them. We think they, they sinned and they didn't get talked to. But Cain, uh, Adam and Eve are talked to after that. Cain's being talked to him. And Cain seems to be very evil. His, he was a very prideful man. And we're going to see this in the way he answers God in all these things. He has a lot of pride in his heart. And rejecting God from all of this uh, information and because his offering is rejected his pride gets hurt most of our sin comes from our pride being hurt if you get angry at somebody usually it is that they you feel that they have insulted you not given you enough respect your pride has been hurt one of the things I tell people, the Bible tells us, be angry and sin not. I do not believe that I can be angry about something done to me and not sin. Because my pride gets involved in it. I am going to be <laughs> making you pay for not respecting me the way I expect you to respect me. If you're angry about something that's happened to you, it's going to be very hard to not sin. Because you want them to pay. They, they, they made you look bad. They, made, they insulted you. They didn't do whatever. Now, it's a little easier when you're defending somebody else. When somebody else is being hurt and you stand up for them, it is easier to not sin at that point. You may still cross the line, but it's much easier because you're not trying to defend your pride, your rights. And when you're defending for somebody else, you, you kind of will draw the line a lot quicker than you will if it's you. You know, you're going to get victory. You're going to get victory. You're not going to listen to their reason for it. When you're trying to defend for somebody else, you might be willing at least to listen. Cain's not willing to listen. Cain is not willing to listen. Um, he, he got angry and his countenance fell. And it said very angry. You know, this is very hard to kind of picture. All that God did was reject his, his vegetables sitting on the stand on the altar. And he gets very angry. But you know, I'm not sure that he was angry that his, his offering was rejected as much as his little brother's offering was accepted. This is probably what he's been really angry about is God has rejected me, but even worse, he's, he's accepted my little brother. Now we don't know... There are people that believe that Cain, Cain and Abel might have been twins the way it's written up, and that's possible. And in that case, it's even worse because they're just a couple minutes to hours difference in their age. But even if he's younger, there's so much competitiveness oftentimes between siblings. And we're seeing it right from the very beginning. <laughs> siblings, that, siblings having trouble with each other. And we can picture this, you know, in competition, especially if they're twins, you know, they're the first set of twins and battling amongst each other. Who's going to get mom and dad's attention? And can you imagine being a mom and dad with no example of what, it, what a mom and dad is all about? You know, we're seeing it in our day and age where, parent, where, where kids are raising kids that have no idea what a parent is because their parents weren't parents. 
And maybe even their grandparents weren't parents in some cases. And it's kind of sad. It is sad to watch people who do not have any parenting skills trying to parent. And I can picture Adam and Eve trying to be parents. You know, they had no parents. They, they came into life full grown. They were never even kids. The kids are being kids and they're having to try to figure out what that means. I, I kind of feel sorry for them. But it says, God says, why are you angry and why is your countenance fa fallen? This is very reminiscent of what God did in the Garden of Eden. Adam, where are you? <laughs> what is it that you have done? God always will deal with us from a place where he wants us to repent. Cain could have said, you know, God, I really got angry and I made a, I made a really bad error in judgment. He could have repented and asked for forgiveness and God would have forgiven him. Adam and Eve tried, had the same thing. You know, where are you? What have you done? And instead of asking for forgiveness and repenting, they made all kinds of excuses. And you see the same thing when Cain answers. You know, he says, if you do well, should you not be accepted? When we do the right things, God accepts and gives us the consequences for right things. Very important that we understand that there are consequences for everything we do. Not necessarily heaven and hell, especially for those of us who are saved. If we're saved, it's not heaven or hell consequences. It is just physical consequences for what we do. Even if you're forgiven, there can be consequences. And usually are. And we need to be in the mindset of, God, I want you to help me make the right decisions so I get good consequences. You know, if, you do, if you are obedient for no other reason just to have good things, that's still better than making the bad decisions. You go and doing about it for the wrong reason, but at least you're not going to have the bad consequences that you face for disobedience. Do it right. And God says to Cain, you know, if you did right, you'd be accepted. And if you do not... Well, sin lays at the door. When we start making bad decisions, the bad news for us is it doesn't usually stop at one. When you walk down the path of sin and bad decisions, it's a path that leads to a very steep slope and you'll end up going down that slope more and more. We've seen this over and over again. The alcoholic does not go out one day and say, I think I'm going to become an alcoholic tonight. At least none that I've ever met. They start out slow. They start drinking with their friends, and then they start drinking more with their friends, and then they start drinking every night. And before they know it, alcohol has conquered them. In most cases, people don't go out to commit adultery. That's not their goal when they go out. They start doing inappropriate things. They hang out with another individual and start talking about things about their marriage and their partner that they probably shouldn't be talking about. And they get that person saying, oh yeah, you're right, you know, you're, you're so misunderstood, and they're just being nice and friendly. And the next thing you know, it goes way beyond that, and they're stuck. We need to be careful because you don't start at the bottom of the sin at the start. It's a path we choose it lies at the door as an animal waiting to devour and attack. And if you 
and I know that I'm talking to people who understand this. All of us have had some area in our life where we've opened the door just a little bit and then get to the point where we regret what we have done and we've gone so far down that we don't know how to get back out of it. And the answer actually is pretty simple. Repent. <laughs> Repent, turn around. <laughs> don't keep following the path down. But usually we get so bad, feeling so bad about it that we go, I'm so far away from God, I can't repent. I can't go back to God. That's a lie of Satan. Satan loves to tell us that you've gone too far. You cannot repent. And I've shared with you, I've watched it happen in churches. Somebody starts down the path of wrong, and the next thing you know, you don't see them in church for a while. Sometimes a long while if the, nobody reaches them. Because they start feeling guilty and they don't want to be around God's people. They don't want to be around God's word being preached. So they start heading out the back door and not coming back for a long while. And if they don't get to the place where they repent, they won't change. No matter how far we have gone down the road of sin, it's time to repent and turn back to God. Repentance is where it's at. We turn around God saying, I am sorry. The prodigal son is a great example of that. He went off to a foreign land and spent all of his inheritance that he received. And as you all know, if you have money and you're willing to buy the drinks and the drugs and everything and throw the parties, you've got lots of friends. He got to the end of his money and no longer had any friends. Eating pig food. He went down about as low as you could go. No money, no friends, eating pig food. For a Jewish boy who's not even supposed to be anywhere near pigs. And the next thing you know is he's thinking, you know, my father's servants have it better than I do. I'm going to go back just to be a servant. And he heads back. We need that moment when we turn around. No matter how far we've gone in our sin, turn around and return to God. When you're around people and they're talking about, well, they just cannot come to God because they just don't deserve it. They're absolutely right. They don't deserve it. But you know what? Nobody sitting in this room deserves being in God's presence. It's all because of grace. God's grace is the only reason we can come before him. No matter how good or bad we think we are, it's all by God's grace. Because not, nothing good is enough for God to say, you deserve me. The only reason we deserve him is because his grace and Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And we need to understand that. We need to apply that to other people and say, God loves you. One of the strongest things that you can help people with to open up a conversation is God loves you. And when you do that, sometimes they go, oh no, he doesn't love me. If you just knew all the things I'm doing, no, God loves you. He gave his son. For God so loved the world. Who? The whole world. Not, not just part of the world, not just those who are going to come to him. And what did he do because of his love? He gave his only begotten son. Jesus was given to the world because God loves us. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did the work. He provided the way. And then he gives the gift of eternal life. How much easier is the gospel message? God does it. <laughs> All I've got to do is say yes. We can give that message to anybody, everybody. This is a message that you can, you can easily give to people. But God is telling Cain, if you did right, you'd be accepted. But if you're, doing, if you're going to go down the wrong path, 
it's going to be wrong. And you're going to get worse. It's the animal ready to tear you up. And Cain, in verse 8, went and talked to his brother. And when they were walking out in the middle of a field, now some people will look at that and go, why in the world did Abel go out with his brother who's angry? Well, it is quite possible that there's never been a murder before. And that this is the first one that's going to be recorded. So he may, may not be aware of the danger he's in. Another answer to this might be, and it's kind of sad, but it is true, that oftentimes when people live a godly, righteous life, they're kind of naive <laughs> and don't see evil right around the corner. So that's a possibility as well. Uh, when I first started running restaurants, I had a manager who told me I was too honest. He goes, you can't even conceive how somebody can steal from you. And when he told me that, he was right. Then they taught me how to catch criminals, and I started catching them, and I, didn't, I was not naive anymore. So this is possible that he's just naive, and maybe he just likes his brother, doesn't expect his brother to do anything. But Cain is stewing in his anger. <laughs> he's angry that his offering's been rejected. He's been angry. He's angry that God told him that he should have done the right thing. And who is the focus of his anger? Not himself, that he should have done better. Not even really God, because there's not much he could do against God. It's his brother that made him look bad. <laughs> Have we ever been in a place where you look and say, well, is this person making me look bad? If it wasn't for them, everything would be all right. Sometimes kids come against their parents with that kind of attitude. If you just did what you were supposed to have done, or if you were not such a good person, I wouldn't look so bad. They could be looking at their brother or sister, you know, you're making me look bad because you're so good. Especially if the parents say, why can't you be like the one that's being pointed to? And Cain rises up and he kills his brother. First murder recorded in the Bible might even be the first murder, period. We don't know. It's less than, 100 year, 100, less than 130 years since, crea you know, since creation, so it could be the first one ever. And God so comes to him and says, where is Abel, your brother? Giving you another chance to confess. <laughs> okay, I gave you a chance of confessing when you gave the wrong offering. Now I'm giving you a chance to confess because you've done something really bad. And Cain's answer is, how would I know? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to guard my brother? Am I supposed to pay attention to where he is, God? You know, there's, there's almost 3,000 people, maybe 5,000, 6,000 people here, God, and you want me to take care of my brother? It's not my job. And you can hear the arrogance in, when he's talking to God, his pride, his arrogance right there. God, it's not my job to take care of my brother. You know, what are you asking me for? And then God says a very interesting statement. He says... What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. I've been doing, I did a lot of looking up on this because I had a pastor many, 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 many years talk about the noise blood makes when it dies. And I had to find it and I went and looked it up. And in the cell, uh, the, an article in the magazine called Cell Processes, they've been experimenting by exposing blood to laser light, essentially killing it. And it makes a very high-pitched sound when it's hit with the laser. When God says, your brother's blood is crying out to me, 
He was not speaking figuratively <laughs> in this point. He was saying, literally, your brother's blood is crying out. If we think about this blood making noise, as they grew closer to Noah's time when, when murder and bad things were happening, how noisy was it to God with the shedding of blood? How noisy is it to God in our day with all the innocent murders that are going on, the, the abortions, the euthanasia, the suicides, the murders that go on in our day, the noise God is hearing in heaven from the blood crying out, the innocent blood. This is kind of a scary thought when you think about it. God hears it. God hears the voice of every innocent blood that's crying out. And I just wanted to bring that up because it's quite an interesting article to read because blood actually cries out. And God is telling Cain, your brother's blood is calling unto me. And even at this, Cain is not willing to seek forgiveness. God gives him a curse. And now are you cursed from the earth, which has opened up her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield to you her strength. Now remember, this isn't, this isn't the first time the ground has been cursed. This one's more specific. With Adam and Eve, it said it would produce thorns and thistles in abundance. Cain's being told, you're not going to grow as well as you used to grow. The ground is cursed for your sake. And then he said, you'll be a fugitive and a vagabond all your days. He has to leave wherever the family's at and go elsewhere. Fugitive, wanderer. Uh, and kicked out. A vagabond, again, wanderer. He's sent away from the family to wander. Now, there's lots of earth for him to wander. <laughs> there's only about 6,000 people all sitting outside of Eden because that's where it says that uh, Adam and Eve settled was just outside Eden. They didn't want to go very far away just in case God said, okay, you're forgiven, come back in. But, or they could sneak back in or whatever. But they didn't go far from Garden of Eden, God's presence as far as they were concerned. And Cain's been told, you're going to go wander. You cannot be around the people. And we want to look, I want to just kind of look at this. Cain's answer, and Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out from this day from the face of the earth. From your face I shall be hid and shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that finds me shall slay me. His answer to God wasn't, I'm a sinner, forgive me. You know, it's, you're just too hard on me. <laughs> Do you see the prideful heart that Cain has? God, I am just not going to bend. Even when you're giving me this punishment, God, it is just too strict. I, didn't, I wasn't that bad. Basically, that's what he's saying, isn't it? It's too strict. I really wasn't that bad, God. You have over-punished me. Now, many of us may have said that sometime to our parents or even had our kids say it to us. <laughs> and for some people, it is, you know, you are grounded for life. That's a little overkill on, <laughs> on it. But in this case, there's not an overkill on this punishment. He has been sent away from everybody. He is not going to be able to, to be around people. 
And it shall come that everyone that finds me shall slay me. I don't know how many times he could be slayed. <laughs> you know, God, everybody that sees me is going to kill me. <laughs> uh, you can see his point of view. He is not thinking rationally. He is just saying, God, this is just terrible. I'm not going to go there. And it says, and, and the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Cain was marked. Now, how he was marked or branded, we don't know. But he was marked in some way that everybody that would see him would know that he was marked and off limits to be killed. And what that means, we don't fully know. We just know that he is a fugitive. He is a, the land has been double cursed. He's, he's not going to be able to, to go out. And the soil's cursed. And we think about this, his punishment is really hard. He's a farmer and he's not going to get the produce he's used to, to getting. He's used to being able to take and give God glory and support his family. And that's not going to be what's happening. And he's going to be a vagabond, a wanderer. And again, remember, there's a lot of people on the earth, you know, well, not a lot, but as far as we ever think about, there's a lot, because most of us only think about two, four people, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. But again, I just, as I mentioned, there's somewhere close to 3,000 or, or 6,000 people on this world at this time. And that's assuming no twins or triplets. <laughs> so there's more people than we ever think about on this. And... We're going to stop at this point because I don't want to get into the next part. We don't have enough time. So we're going to go close in prayer. But I want to challenge us. Let's make sure that we repent when we sin. Turn back to God. And let's just start sharing with people the love of God. One of the easiest ways to start a discussion with people is to tell them that God loves them and listen to them because I've done that. And they're going, oh, no, if, God knew, you know, if you knew me, you would not. And that gives you a great opening to give the gospel. You could even ask them, where do they think they'll go when they die? That's another good way to open up. But the gospel message is not hard to deliver. And I just want to bring that up for us is that we spend time sharing the gospel message. It takes only, it takes only a few minutes to share. Learn the verses. We are sinners. We deserve punishment. Jesus died for us. And if we accept that gift, we go to heaven. Give you the gospel in 15 seconds. <laughs> Okay? People will tell me, well, I don't have time to give the gospel. Oh, yes, you do. You can do it in 15 seconds. How, much, how many times have you taken 15 seconds to say hello to somebody? Hello, how are you? It doesn't take long to be able to give that gospel message. Now, is everybody going to accept the gospel message? Nope, not necessarily. Our job isn't to try to twist their arm. Our job isn't to try to make them turn to God. Our job is just to give the message. Simple process we give the message and you know what the less we say it's probably better let the Holy Spirit do the convicting if I try to make the conviction on them it's not going to work but the Holy Spirit will convict and you know what they might not even respond until that night when they're laying in bed saying I wonder if what that foolish person has said is true now can you believe what that guy what that person said to me they're just crazy and the Holy Spirit starts walking working on them well, what if? How about thinking about this? 
So we want to be looking at these things as we go forward. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love us, you care for us. We thank you for this opportunity to listen to your word. Lord, we ask that you help people learn to repent when they're going down the wrong path and repent earlier than later before they've wasted many years in their sin. And Lord, we just ask if there's anybody who needs to know you, that they'll recognize that they're a sinner, that they need you, that they will repent of their sins and ask you to come into their heart and be their Lord and Savior. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.